0: Welcome to Pink Noise Posse. This is season two of Amplify Your Gold, and I'm your host, Very Sherry. I broadcast conversations with mindset shifters who are showing up in service of elevating our human potential. And today, like most days, I'm recording on board a floating home that I share with my partner in Seattle, Washington. And I would like to acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral lands of the Duwamish people, past and present. In Episode 8, my guest shares her epic journey of revealing and healing old shame stories so that she can show up more authentically as herself without the restrictions of false news. She talks about using her gifts, the impact of sharing her gifts with others, and the ways she practices being human. We're here in season two of Pink Noise to have a deep dive conversation with my friend Karenna Nakirshner from Hello Inner Light. Yes, thank you for having me, Sherry. And we're here to talk about where the juice is at with your practice, with you.
1: Yeah. Well, the juice for me in my personal life and also in my practice with my clients is really becoming embodied on a deeper and deeper level. And so for me, that really means learning to tune in to my authentic lived experience more and rely less on the subconscious narratives and stories that I have told myself about myself for years and years and years as a way of finding my knee-jerk reactions in life, reprogramming the patterns that no longer work for me, and really just falling deeper and deeper in love with myself, who I truly am in every moment.
0: Woo. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just gonna grab a hold of that piece right at the end about falling in love with yourself. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I know there's so much talk about self-love going around, but it's really actually a hard concept um, for people to understand exactly how to do that for themselves. And so what I found in my Journey with myself and with my clients is that we really feel loved when we are seen and heard and accepted for who we are. Like for me, that's really the essence of what love actually means. It's not really bubble baths and it's not positive affirmations. And so my active practice is seeing, hearing, and accepting who I am and helping my clients, you know, dive into that with themselves as well. And so that's kind of the essence of where my self-love journey is at this moment. And it really truly does make me feel loved when I can just look at my lived experience And really just accept what's there, you know, how I'm showing up compassionately, whether how I'm showing up aligns with who I want to be, who I think I am, or anything else like that. Just really just allowing myself to be in contact with how I feel and honor, um, you know, whatever is present for me.
0: You're speaking to the heart of what's important to me. Mm -hmm. This honoring of self. Creating space for radical self-expression, mm-hmm. and my notion of that comes with not judging what shows up right. as right or wrong, as good or bad. Yeah, but it's what is <laughs> because totally. it's it's happening. It's happening from me out, and and if I don't like the result how it makes me feel the impact on others then i have the beautiful opportunity to choose differently next time yeah but to not beat myself up for the way that i've a way that i've been and and i'm hearing your practice is this deep honoring of self exactly as you are
1: Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, well, I think, as you know, because we've talked about before, and because you've experienced my work, um, we all have some disconnection from our authentic self, you know, like that's just the reality of it is that as we go through life, we have to compartmentalize sometimes, you know, because we have um, overwhelming experiences or traumatic experiences or just emotions that we don't know how to deal with. And so often we're just accidentally kind of compartmentalizing um, those vulnerable or confusing Emotions and what happens um, and so anyway that's just normal, you know, like we all do it there's no judgment there. But I feel like I lived my life for so long so inauthentic so compartmentalized there was so much that I was just repressing or suppressing or denying. Um, And it really drove me into a place where I felt anxiety all the time and shame all the time. And so as I've been practicing regenerating images and memory, which is the um, modality that I primarily use with my clients and my students, I've gotten the gift to see um, just how different our conscious stories are from our subconscious stories, but how the body always holds the truth. The body doesn't really forget, even if our conscious mind can separate from it. And so in that beautiful journey of healing myself and working with my clients as they kind of reconnect to the truth of their authentic voice and their authentic experience, um, that's kind of what I've boiled it down to is that I just want to be here in my experience, whatever it is, so that I can come at it with A wholeness instead of having to continue to segment myself into different pieces, you know, different parts of my psyche, whatever it is. I really want to come at it with a wholeness as much as I can, you know, honoring that I'm nowhere near perfect with any of it. But
0: yeah. Which takes me back to the um, statement that Amy McBride uses, which is we're all just practicing in public. Oh, yeah. Practicing how to be human. I love that. I want to double click on something you said around the conscious and the subconscious.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, could you walk through that with me? A- an example from your own life of an awareness that you have of something that is consciously driving your behavior, and a and an awareness that you've fine tuned over time. Mm. of parsing out that which is unconscious.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to go with one of my bigger ones, I feel like, uh, because I find that I'm fine tuning that constantly every day, because what lives in our subconscious is all the things we couldn't process in the moment, right? And so there's a lot of old emotional baggage um, there. There's a lot of um, coping mechanisms. Our coping mechanisms are just subconscious ways that we've come up with to deal with the world, right? So like maybe in, well, I'll go to my personal example. Like in my family growing up, um, I felt like there was a lot of shame and criticism. And so I created coping mechanisms of how to deal with that. Some of them being creating like a conscious story that I was a good person, which I like that conscious story. I don't think I'm a bad person, but there's a rigidity in defining myself as that, that actually would guide me to disconnect when I was angry or deny when I was having sort of like unenlightened impulses, you know, within my own emotions or my own body. There was this disconnection from my authentic reacting in the world. And then um, we also create these really, really strong and specific narratives about who we are and what the world is like. And so one of the narratives that I lived through for a very long time was um, the world is going to shame me. And I deserve to be shamed, right? Like those just kind of sat subconsciously in my psyche. And it created so much anxiety for me. I mean, I lived with so much social anxiety. I just hated, you know, like going in public. I only really bonded with a specific few people who I knew wouldn't trigger me into a shame spiral. And I saw the world through that lens, like the world is going to shame me. I deserve to be shamed. And so um, it was really painful, really limiting. And that was like, um, something that just really held me back and, and it kept me small, right? Like I really didn't reach for things that were very big. I was in a marriage for a very long time where, um, I just didn't really have space to be myself. And I didn't really feel like my needs or my, um, emotions had any value in that relationship. And really I wasn't valuing my needs or my relationships. Right. Cause I had this sort of shame-based concept of self. Um, and so that was like my big one that I really had to work through because it was like at the very core of how I defined myself and how I viewed the world. I was basically always looking at the world through that subconscious lens. And so, um, that's been my biggest one that, um, I really, really worked through deeply using regenerating images and memory. And that's what guided me to become a regenerating images and memory facilitator because it was such a significant thing for me. I had done therapy for a decade. I tried all these things to try to overcome that anxiety and kind of move away from that self hatred, really, you know, that shame based sense of self. And when I finally could get to the subconscious, roots of that, I could reality check it, right? Like I could see that actually the world was almost never shaming me. Um, you know, that was very, very rare as an adult, you know, but I, I conceptually always thought that was like my expectation in my nervous system and in my energy field when I went out into the world. And I also, as I began to get into um, my subconscious, I was able to really connect with the pain that was there around that shame-based sense of self, like actually be honest about how painful that was to me. And in that acknowledgement of the pain, it could process through and I could start to find another voice within me that thought that I was actually really worthy and valuable and that, um, you know, I could come up with all of these ways to shame myself, but deep down I was actually trying my best and, and, being kind of a beautiful human most of the time, you know, so that was kind of my biggest journey. But like I said, I'm continually refining it and I'm continually finding ways to let go of any projections from those old wounds so that I just get to be more and more in my authentic lived experience, how I want to, you know, be
0: in the world. I'm so struck by your journey. By the work that you've done in giving that example, um, I'm what I'm marveling at the most in this moment is your ability to get to the phrase that the world is there to shame you, and you deserve shame. Mm-hmm. That feels so powerful to get to the nugget, the root, the thing that is underneath the social anxiety.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And this thing that kept you small, as you said,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and in and in finding it, it sounds like you were then able to reveal the fallacy of this notion.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the other cool thing that I think about self love and healing and embodied healing. You know that we're all talking about here is that. So much of our healing process is just allowing those parts of ourselves, those parts of ourselves that are vulnerable or confused or misguided or we're embarrassed of or whatever, giving those um, parts of our psyche voice. Because so much healing just happens just through acknowledgement, just through allowing those parts of our psyche to be heard, to be seen, because they're kind of, it's just like if you were in a relationship with a person, right? If they were always trying to say something to you, or they were always trying to get you to acknowledge something and you just continued... To not, right? To not hear it, to not acknowledge it. They would get louder and they would get more intense. Like I experienced my shame levels going up through my twenties, you know, and I really feel like it's because those parts of my psyche, they just needed to be heard. They just needed to be given voice. They just needed me to just acknowledge them. And then it's amazing how quickly things can work through when they're acknowledged and heard. The healing process is so much more simple sometimes than I think we make it out to be. At least this is my experience with my clients is like, if they are feeling afraid, but they that doesn't fit their concept of themselves, or they don't want to, you know, someone told them being afraid is weak or for, you know, a million different reasons, they're just not acknowledging the fear. It's like in a session, if we just give voice to the fear or the sadness or the confusion or whatever it is. All of a sudden, that energy is unstuck. It can kind of process through, and that part of the psyche that was holding that fear or that difficult emotion gets to be unburdened and it gets to kind of integrate into the wholeness of who you are again. And so that's been a huge part of my journey, and it's a huge part of my work with clients. And it's so simple and beautiful that just acknowledgement, just being heard, allows these parts of our psyche to evolve into something
0: else so. Yeah. Being seen, being heard. Yeah. So often in this work of, that might be labeled personal development work, this Mm -hmm. inner work, Mm -hmm. I've never met a practitioner who doesn't lean on the importance of being with the fear, being with the pain, being with the discomfort, the shame, the confusion, the anger, the, all of it. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, you've got to, you've got to go through it. Like you've got to be in it. You've got to go through it to get to the other side. So denying it, suppressing it, tucking it away, pretending like it's not there Mm -hmm. is never the way through. No.
1: And denying it, suppressing it, ignoring it, whatever, they're good coping mechanisms for survival right? Like there's a reason we all do that to some degree. And part of it is just, we're socially programmed to do that, you know, but big parts of it are, we just need to fit into our family when we're kids to feel safe, you know? And so there's such good coping mechanisms. So I never pathologize any of that. It's all completely understandable, but ultimately it leads us away from healing. You know, it leads us away from our authenticity and it leads us away from our wholeness.
0: What's one of the tools that you use to help the people around you accept the feelings that they've been suppressing to allow them to show up and to be with them?
1: Yeah, I have a specific emotional felt sense exercise that I do with people, but um, basically if if you can just break it down by feeling it in your body, you know, so like, instead of like, Oh my God, I'm totally freaking out and I'm embarrassed and, and I feel shame, blah, 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 blah. You know, that's are those are feelings and thoughts which are all valuable and completely important. I'm not discounting them, but it's like, well, where do you feel that in your body? And is it more on the right side or the left side? And is it moving or is it still, does it have a texture? Is it hot or cold or maybe Neither, you know, so you start breaking it down, you kind of slow down and you just start feeling it as um, a sensation in your body, you really locate it, I even encourage people to like breathe into the height, and the width and the depth of that feeling in their body, it kind of begins to take you below the spinning stories or below the activated nervous system level because you can kind of start just to get curious and then I even take it another step. This is part of my um, training with regenerating images and memory. It's like, well, what color is it? And does it have a shape or an image? You know, because people speak very metaphorically, naturally. And those, the imagery that informs the way they speak in that stuff is actually coming from the subconscious psyche. Like that's literally your subconscious speaking to you. And so if you can, Turn it into like a form, you know, like a red ball of anger that's moving in my gut or something like that, you know, like that's just an example. But then all of a sudden it has containment. And you actually get a lot more information from it when you can just tune into it in that way, because all of a sudden the natural ability you have to understand your emotions and to decipher your experience is like unlocked.
0: Like what you did with me in our session. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So we were exploring a limiting belief that I took on from someone else's opinion. Mm -hmm. And you asked me how it felt when I believed it. And there was sadness. Mm -hmm. And when you asked me to name and give a texture to this sadness where I felt it in my body, I remember really feeling it in my cheeks. Mm -hmm. Like, somehow my cheeks were were heavy and i could see the picture of a puppy with the kind of droopy cheeks and floppy ears and looking at me with big eyes <sighs> and when we got to the the heart of the issue the sadness came from not being seen mm-hmm. by this person for the good that i'm doing in the world yeah And that was a really powerful takeaway for me.
1: Yeah. Well, the images that naturally arise, it's hard to relate to it unless you've had the experience, but they hold so much information in it, you know, like the feeling, the image, it all held so much for you. And if you felt sadness around a different issue, it may be a different image, a different flavor of sadness. You know, it's all very, very deeply specific to our own psyche. And that's, that specificity is what makes it so incredibly powerful. And that's one of the things with regenerating images and memory is that I never hand anyone a visualization. Their own internal psyche brings up the visuals, the images, the feelings, all of that, you know? And so it's really fun for me because I absolutely never know where it's going to (laughs) go. You know, I just know that the psyche will show what it wants to show and that, the client's deep inner wisdom will know exactly what to do with it. So
0: pretty amazing. At the beginning of our conversation, you use the phrase embodiment. Mm-hmm. And as you describe more of this process, your journey of developing a deeper relationship with the love that you have for yourself. Mm-hmm. And as you describe this work, there's a lot that needs to happen with an individual's awareness of self, an awareness of bodily emotions, sensations. What would you say to someone who doesn't have that awareness muscle tuned in yet? That awareness muscle isn't toned right? They haven't, they haven't exercised it. And so someone asks, where do you feel that in your body? And what would you say to someone that doesn't know how to answer that question?
1: Yeah, that's great. Well, just to first to say almost everybody can like almost everybody finds it easier than they expect it to be. Um, so people, we have so much deep wisdom and awareness that we're just not paying attention to. And so if you're guided in a specific way to pay attention to it, most people really can get in touch with that more deeply than they think they can. Um, but I have run into some clients who really can't, you know, like, what are you feeling emotionally? Nothing. What are you feeling in your body? Nothing. You know, and that's really truly the only answer they can come up with. Um, so first again, not pathologizing that, like there's a reason, right? That there's that disconnection. There's a reason that that communication between feeling and mind has been broken or severed or whatever. Maybe those aren't the right words. Those feel like extreme words, but for whatever reason, it's, it's interrupted at this moment. And so for those people, I do have, um, exercises just to soothe their nervous system enough that it's kind of safe to open that, um, door that it's safe to feel because, When you haven't been feeling for a long time, and I can speak to this because I think I lived in a very dissociative state for a very long time, it can be a little bit painful when you start to um, feel your body or when you start to feel your emotions. And so I really focus, the technique I mostly use um, is called havening. And it's this really sweet and gentle process of um, you rub your hands together or you rub your hands down your arms, or you rub your hands on your cheeks, those are the three types of havening touch, and you just start beginning to feel yourself touching yourself, and that touch actually sends delta waves into your amygdala, into your limbic system in your mind, so it's deeply soothing and integrative, and it's a really great way for people to start um, getting in touch with the sensations in their body in a way that's really soothing and nurturing, instead of kind of shocking or Uncomfortable because it really can be a little uncomfortable. And again, there's a reason, right? Like, if you're very dissociated from your feelings, it's not that you're bad or wrong or unenlightened or anything, you know, like it's really just that's that was a coping mechanism that was a necessary strategy that you probably utilized intelligently, you know, at some point in your life. And so, so I do the havening. But again, most people can feel and intuit and connect with things so much more than they consciously do in everyday life when they're, you
0: know, guided in specific ways to do it. Any final words that you'd like to offer a listener who'd like to increase their love of self game? Yeah. I mean, self-compassion is
1: a huge piece of it. Just knowing that however you're feeling, however you're reacting, there are reasons, understandable, intelligent reasons deep in your psyche And then again, just um, allowing yourself to see yourself, hear yourself and accept yourself. I think those are the the real
0: takeaways that I have from
1: my self-love journey.
0: Blessings to you for sharing your heart and your wisdom with us again today. Hmm. Thank you for having me, Sherry. It's a pleasure. (laughs) For fun, check out Karenna's TikTok channel. I'll put a link in the show notes. Next week, a conversation with my favorite creativity coach, Jeff Lisewitz. He opens with another story from Camp Log and Twig. Until then, keep mining and shining the gold within.